Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Sally Wyatt, you're not Josh Brown at all. No, I'm not. I know, but just as good, filling in a lovely little time. We have had a horrible morning getting to get, getting in on the trains and stuff. Although you travelled half the country yesterday to get here. Yeah, very different yeah. train. But a, yeah, you almost got kidnapped journey. by a taxi driver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all my stuff, at least my stuff. I, I don't feared for my things. I don't believe this person in the picture was an actual legitimate taxi driver. It's a, see that they signed themselves off. But I, I don't know, it's just a weird, weird way for it to go. Um, yeah, for the wind-up, um, every Monday we dive into whatever's going on in the industry, talking points, news, games that we're playing, etc. Um, and we've got a roundup of news and different things. Me and you cross over when it comes to playing things like Sea of Stars, you finish Resident Evil 4, Separate Ways, the DLC. We're going to talk about Yakuza slash Like a Dragon stuff as well. But I thought we'd do news first. Um, this is hot off the presses for Capcom. Mm. Um, coming from a write-up over on Bloomberg, um, addressing the idea that Xbox is doing the rounds in regards to acquisitions, a big old leak from last week, um, saying that they were at one point, it was more about 2020 and 2021, one era, planning to buy uh, Warner Brothers and Nintendo, which was a big hilarious thing that we covered last week. Um, but in response to that, um, Capcom have said that they think it would be better if they were equal partners in regards to an acquisition. Uh, coming from CEO Haruhiro Sujimoto, saying that in regards to the acquisition, I guess they would want a way bigger po- uh, piece of the pie. But <laughs> does this fill you with confidence that like, I guess they aren't gonna, hopefully going to be hoovered up? Yeah, I think it's good in general as a PlayStation owner, obviously mm-hmm. I'm slightly biased that they're not going in the direction that I We'd have to buy a new console to play Resident Evil, yes. for example. Um, but, you know, they're one of the biggest sort of third-party companies. They always have been, mm. even in their... They've had their response, but they're doing a really good place now. So mm. this isn't surprising news. Um, so, but it is nice to read. I There's quite a lot much. of stuff at the minute where, like... It's, there's so much going back and forward on like, oh, is the future of the industry in these like monthly services and locking down these big catalogs and libraries? And yeah. is, there, is there more safety with that? I don't think there is. But no. I guess there is in terms of like if you have an idea for making a game and your shareholders or the general conversations that happen at the top end of that um, business are just saying, oh, we can't do this. It's too much of a risk. Like if you watch the, or I did watch the Double Fine documentary about making um, Psychonauts 2 and they only got that over the finish line because Microsoft stepped in and financed the rest of the project. And, and there's a kind of like a, a weight off the shoulders that comes with saying, mm-hmm. it's okay, you're going to be on Game Pass. You're going to have an audience and we're going to fund it. Um, but at the same time, they, at the minute, seem to be trying to acquire so many people all at once that it just feels like the bottom would fall out of that that's exactly it i mm-hmm. think there's so many like different points that you can jump off from that like microsoft are buying so many companies as it is so mm-hmm. if they bought capcom in this instance would capcom then fear well we're just one of many companies so mm-hmm. that would they necessarily get the support 
that they might potentially think that they could get, but also I don't think they need it. Like they're, some no. of their best-selling titles of all time have been some of their recent titles, so they must be pretty okay financially, which is mm -hmm. another reason to come out and say, we're not looking to be bought because they're financially sound. It's really only companies that are looking for that support mm -hmm. that are very much willing to... Uh, yeah, it's definitely like a, a thing with a company's identity as well, because like Bethesda have mostly maintained their Bethesda-ness like through Starfield. Some of that's just from the bugs and glitches and the fact that right. it's not, you know, it's like it is more polished than it was. It would have been when they um, you know, would have released it a couple of years ago. That was one thing that came out of all the leaks and stuff was that um, Starfield was meant to release in 2021. And then we've had about two years of polish, um, which was kind of the assumption on the fan side that like Bethesda would just kick it out the door. The models mm -hmm. will fix it later. Um, and then when Xbox stepped in, uh, well, those cold conversations started to happen. It was like, well, look, if Starfield's going to be the, the face of the Xbox brand, it can't just be you know, this, this Skyrim, like, oh, like a Fallout 76 style disaster. I thought of Skyrim's glitch with the giants flying through the air. And I was like, you can't launch it like <laughs> that. It's got to be, be better. Yeah, to be fair, Skyrim had its notoriously bad PS3 mm -hmm. uh, launch. But yeah, I hadn't really thought about it, not playing Starfield, but... Um, there has been less on my social media about how this game is broken compared to others. So that's yeah, a good yeah. I have had one friend who put, I don't know, 30 hours into the game and then suddenly everything just busted and they have to start <laughs> again. So it's not outside of the realm of no. possibility. I had characters' clothes disappear a lot, yes. which is great, which is always fun. But they, um, yeah, in regards to like, you know, the way that they've sort of subsumed Bethesda, like I still feel like we got a Bethesda RPG out of it. It doesn't seem like um, Microsoft slash Xbox have too much of a hands-on um, approach. No. Which is funny though, because um, coming out of Redfall, it was like Spencer saying, oh, we need to be better with this. We actually do need to monitor these projects more. And a lot of the emails that leaked in the Unity stuff um, from last, uh, sorry, the, um, the FTC stuff from last week, um, you know, was him sort of asking his team leaders, like, where are we at? We've, we're looking at an 18-month window of nothing. This is, and then they proceeded to have an 18-month window of nothing. Um, and he was, like, sort of addressing in those emails, oh, do we have Stalker? Is Stalker ready to go? Okay, no, the team's just announced a delay. Yeah. Um, and it was, like, it's weird watching the correspondence between him and the team leaders where he's realizing his own, in theory, his own games aren't ready to ship. And it's, like, I don't want them, if they do end up going with these deals, to be so, like, hands-on and suffocate yes, and stuff. Like, you need to monitor some of it. Yeah, instances like that kind of baguette prying where it's like, well, mm. we don't have any games. So then we end up in a situation where they're rushing companies. Like, we need something to fill mm -hmm. this gap, which we obviously have seen with so many other companies that have mm -hmm. brought up studios. And it's just, it doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. So at least to this point, to our knowledge, they don't get that involved and be like, no, you need to bring that forward. You've got a hard release date here. We need something for this window. Mm -hmm. um, so props to Microsoft for that, at least. <laughs> I mean, it might be a bit of a mess over there, and we might be talking about whether or not they're going to still be producing video yes. games or publishing anything in however many years. But I'll take that yeah, <laughs> uncertainty I mean, over companies releasing busted games and then ultimately getting punished for it. That's the thing. It's like if you're Phil Spencer and you have like, because in theory, I, a lot of the stuff that's come out of these leaks is the is the realisation that he says whatever people want to hear in the moment kind of thing. I do think he's a really good dude. Like you wouldn't have Xbox at all if not for him fighting for it in 2013 after the disastrous Xbox One stuff. And yeah. um, the reason Xbox exists right now is, is large part because of him. Um, but a lot of the stuff that came out of the those emails was him, you know, in one part saying he's like, you know, pro dev, take as much time as they need, but also it would be a career move to acquire Nintendo and I do want to make these big executive moves and everything which is fine but like I like the potential of an undercurrent of finance or funding 
that would then allow any idea to get off the ground and they have the audience of at least 20 million subs every month um so it's in theory that's pro game and pro game mechanics and risk and creative risk and everything and where it mitigates creative risk because it, it means that you can just get anything on that service and in theory that would free up all the devs that don't end up making anthems and avengers and suicide squads and whatever to try and please shareholders and hit all these ridiculous profit margins so like there's a way i can see what they're going for but at the same time, they it feels like they just have to keep consuming so many studios to build that library to hope that it pays off in the future, which I guess is why at the minute he's sort of, and I'll, I'll mention his quote in a bit, but talking about potentially leaving the industry in 2027 if this doesn't work. Yeah, there's a there's a, a worrying thought about ceilings with that kind mm. of thing. And I mean, how long has Game Pass been around now? It's quite a while. Oh, it's a good question. So I, you was it like 2017? Yeah, then? I was going to say it's at least five years yes. or something. So you'd hope that it has an attractive back catalogue at this point. Mm -hmm. But if they keep wanting to buy companies, clearly Microsoft don't think that's the case. Well, that's so the thing, I know like that it can't. you can't rely on, this is it now, mm -hmm. we're done. You need to keep adding to it. But it seems such an extreme speed of buying. You know, I thought it's kind of interesting purchase. as well is like you look at the way that other companies do their libraries and like, PlayStation, I for me, PlayStation Plus is like terrible, but it's mostly terrible in regards to the yeah, legacy stuff. Like the, yeah. the PS1 library might as well not exist. And the PS2 stuff, some of it's still broken. If you try and play the Ape Escape on there, it's still broken. Mm -hmm. um, Nintendo, though, it's, it's a weird thing because I don't want them to copy this one-to-one, uh, -one, but they do limited release stuff. Or they'll, you know, they'll do, they did it with Mario when they remastered like 64 Sunshine yeah. um, and Galaxy, but then it was like, oh, it's only available for a few months. And that sucks. Digital scarcity just doesn't need to be a thing. Yeah. But at the same time, you could do a thing where like they're doing with F-Zero 99 at the minute where it's like, oh, you know, this is this game is available for this many months, but you know it's on rotation or something like that. And they can say, like, hey, look, it's Doom Month because they finally have, <laughs> you know, they have all those, those, those games and then you're incentivized to go on them. Maybe there's leaderboard boards maybe there's like more achievements associated with it or microsoft rewards or something that would be the way to do it is to add some like uh, use the use the library yeah add some stuff that doesn't make it like uh, taking games down <laughs> yeah. like all, obviously all everyone knows that but what you just said there about adding achievements or some kind of incentive leaderboards some kind of multiplayer thing here or there depending mm. on the franchise to emphasize stuff is actually a really cool idea thank certainly. you certainly because uh, just the way that they are, they've got like they're buying all this stuff up and doing nothing with it. They just sort no. of put it in this big landfill and just pointed it and go like, it's over there now. And it becomes harder for them to advertise what Game Pass, like the highlights of Game Pass at that point. Very right? good point, yeah. Like without something where it's like, we're going to focus on this. But then everyone else is also on the same kind of level company wise. They're like, well, why aren't we getting advertising? Mm. And that's one of the uh, pratfalls of having a, a situation like that where it's like, we bought into all of these companies. Mm. How do we appropriately give them all what they need uh, and be <laughs> as impartial as we can be within reason. Obviously, some companies are going to demand more mm. attention because it was, we spent more money on them and they make more money for us. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but it's, a, it's a weird balancing act that even, yeah, five or six years or whatever in, I don't feel like they've really done a good job of marketing particular like, highlights of Game Pass. You'll no. get on uh, like the Game Awards or whatever or uh, the Xbox showcases, they'll be like, all these games are coming to Game Pass. But mm -hmm. they, that's just for the us, like diehards that watch the streams live or whatever. Yes. A wider audience, they're just like, Game Pass, it's got loads of games on it and that's about it. That's, that's the weird thing because it's like, yeah, like trying to sort of like talk to people who just, who just have a Game Pass subscription. It's like they just kind of check in every month and then right. it's just something <clears throat> sticks out. Like one of my cousins sort of just puts, opens it up, looks at the artwork and just sort of goes, oh, okay, like <laughs> yeah. that looks kind of action-y, maybe yeah. it's that. But then so much stuff gets overlooked. Um, and it's like, I guess that's kind of on them, maybe like a console feature to try and 
like front load the demos more, make sure there's demos for everything mm-hmm. um, where it's easier to dive into those things. And maybe going forward, the amount that they want to invest in xCloud stuff um, or the, the, the Xbox streaming stuff, they could make it so you just hit a button and play like 20 minutes of something like immediately, like as, as fast as it comes up onto the console. Because um, that's in theory what they've been sort of dambling, um, testing for quite a while now in terms of the streaming to phones and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the Xbox, the Phil Spencer quote though, <clears throat> about the health of Xbox in general. Um, this just came from the, the ongoing FTC investigation into the acquisition of Activision Blizzard, um, saying that they would leave in 2027. He says, I can fairly safely say that if we do not make more progress than this off of console, we would exit the gaming business, um, which is kind of an echo of what happened 10 years ago because the Xbox One failed so hard that, um, you know, according to the various insider reports at the time, the Xbox brand was on the chopping block then. And it was it was Phil Spencer, it was those conversations, obviously it's more than just him, um, but who were able to say, know that it's worth sticking around and I guess at that point they planned this whole subscription future thing yeah. um, and from in my to my point of view they they kind of sacrificed the Xbox one generation to do it to plan all this stuff and then this is kind of like this either works or they go we actually can't make this work at all but we've made so many bets in these directions that we just need to leave altogether. It's insane to think that it's even a possibility yeah uh, but as we just said sort of statistically speaking and stuff like that it does feel like a possibility, mm-hmm. even despite the fact that the Xbox 360 is like was such a huge deal. How I wish they get to, back to that. I know how we've got to <laughs> here in like ten years' time is just insane to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Bring back the blades, I say. That's, <laughs> if you want to go, that's uh, the solution. Yeah, just literally put the put the blades back on the dashboard. To be honest, though, they could do some nostalgia. Yeah. They could do with some nostalgia. They were so close because the newest um, the newest dashboard that's out, it like it puts. Um, categories at the top of the screen so you've got like games and apps and the marketplace right. and whatever and I was like just put them on the triggers so I can L- I can LBRB yeah. between them then you've yeah. got a nice little hybrid approach to it but they, they still haven't got that but um, yeah they've they've kind of spectacularly failed to tap back into the energy of the 360 that was yes. when they were like on top of the world back then I think that yeah for better or worse it's too much <clears throat> looking forward almost to a point where, and we talked about this with the sort of leaked next Xbox console, where it's like, they're not really focusing on what's going on right now. They're not looking at maximizing what they've got or trying to focus. What would be great if Xbox was the system where games actually always works. Like they really focused on making this generation work, Mm -hmm. which it doesn't right now, but they're too busy looking planning towards the future, which, and perhaps that's a fallout from, as you say, sort of skipping over Xbox One in order to build the future, which perhaps was the right move, but they've mm. kept that going instead mm. of actually, yeah, focusing on advertising and marketing correctly, delivering uh, an experience. You do de- you do need a certain amount of nostalgia. We just yeah. talked about the PlayStation Plus is a terrible uh, system with the nostalgia of the PS1. Yeah. <laughs> but at least they did something where it's like, here's some, some old games. The PS Mini, for example. Again, it was pretty crap, mm. but they did, they tried <laughs> something. Xbox, from my memory, have not really done a whole lot of like, remember how good Xbox used to be? No. Which is a part of building a brand, unfortunately. And it's like, it, those things are available. Like they have the Halo Master Chief collection. They have all the entire right. history of Gears. They have Fable. But like in regards to the acquisition stuff, they don't put it alongside and just sort of, like you said, like put that front and center and be like, remember when you really loved loved Xbox because it's one of those things where like when Starfield came back around across the last month or so it was good to champion Xbox again like it felt good it was like oh my god you guys finally have a thing again and it's the first time you've had like a really outwardly recommendable title in like 10 years um, because there is all that goodwill just kind of sitting there that they just 
they're, they're always off planning all these different cloud moves and um, subscription models and everything else. And it's like, there's, there is goodwill if you just focus on the games and try and shift stuff now and build to it more naturally. But um, yeah, it's a hard thing to like try and navigate. Obviously at the minute, because they weren't expecting the leak to happen, there's a lot of damage control happening, sure. which is fair enough. Yeah. Um, and there's obviously Phil Spencer and everyone else out there saying it's very disappointing that this stuff has leaked and that you know, those plans are outdated and whatever. But I think the fact that they were at one point talking about trying to acquire Nintendo um, only points in the direction that they want to take this eventually and have this big sort of monopoly on uh, streaming catalogs and everything for the, for the monthlies. Um, let's talk about stuff that we're playing, though. Um, sea of Stars. How are you getting on with Sea of Stars? It's, it's great. I kind of hate that I love it so much. Because, okay. So we just talked about nostalgia. Yes. Right? And, and, and nostalgia can be good. Nostalgia can be bad. I, mm-hmm. like, I, I tend to like games where I feel like, oh, this is a new experience. Mm-hmm. Sea of Stars is, is really largely not that. It's it a weird. I think it doesn't feel like it's pushing anything forward for me. No, <laughs> it's like it's really like it's really easy to play. I love the art style. I was looking forward it's to this great. so yeah, looking forward to this so much because I love the messenger so much, um, and I love Sabotage Studios. They're so cool. Like like follow them on social media and everything. Not sponsored by them, I should clarify. But I'm very big fan. And so when this came out, that they were putting all of the money from the messenger into their dream like old school RPG JRPG. I was like, this is awesome. But for me, like the story is just not there. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to obviously like <laughs> lay on thick the compliments for yes. everything else because I did just start off saying I love I it's beautiful hate that I love yeah. it because I just yeah it, it, it sure it doesn't move <laughs> the industry forward but it's so much fun the battle system I find really it's a wonderful challenge mm. like I've I've died so many times and then come back to a battle and be like right okay this is how to prioritize right. what I want to do mm-hmm. if you said the art style is great the music's great. The story is a, that's the thing, a and I'm big like, letdown. But. Yeah, and it's like the the combat mechanics, like they have quite it has quite a lot in common with. It reminds me of the Mario and Luigi games, like the Superstar Saga, sure. and yeah. it's like uh, which. I, but also like a Mario RPG, like everything is a is a timing mini game to do stuff. But like because you're doing that in every fight, every time. I only where I am now, I'm about eight hours in, and uh, maybe nine or ten hours. I only finally just now got a new character, right? Um, and then she has another like timing mechanic thing that I can do, and that's cool. And like finally where I am now, something has happened in the story with a little bit of like. Peril. Right, I but um, as, when I was googling like, <laughs> does Sea of Stars story get good? When does it get good? <laughs> there are like Reddit posts of people and okay. social media stuff just saying like, yeah, it's kind of just you know things happen, but it's mostly just this kind of like super everything's great kind of tone, which is very charming and nice. But I don't feel the pull to see what's next because I don't think it has anything to show me. Yeah, there have been a few moments. I'm a little bit further ahead than you. There have okay. been a few moments where I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. This is interesting. And that new character you mentioned is quite an interesting mm-hmm. character in the grand scheme of things. Okay. Largely, the intrigue comes from me being like, you know, what locale are we going to explore next? Mm. And, you know, what weird and wonderful enemies do you get to fight? I just encountered something that was like some big... It's like an ape made of ice, and he's a DJ, it's, and he's called, like, Boulder Douche, and I'm like, this is fantastic. Wait, why is that not more front-loaded? They right. should have, like, opened the game on there that. Is a, there is some, like, sort of, like, winks and nods to the genre uh, history of the past, <laughs> and a bunch of gags in there if you're okay. looking for it, which I really uh, approve of. Because the messenger was really funny. Like, it was really sharp, and it was very it's aware a, of the it's audience. It's a little and, yeah. hid, more hidden in this. You right, have okay. to go looking for it a little mm-hmm. bit, I think. Because, like, overall, overall, yeah. It's very charming. It's so charming. It's mm-hmm. just a shame that the story is... It's a bit of a letdown, but it, yeah, it's definitely not turned me off the game at all. I'm still slightly, surely making my way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's one of those things where like it's super easy to pick up and play, and it is. It, that's funnily enough, it's on Game Pass and PlayStation Plus. Sure. I think it's the first game that, that did both at the same time, or one of the first games to do that. So it's super easy to get if you have either of those services. Also and, on Switch, and so yeah, yeah and like, I, on the train up. I ended up um, buying it on Switch because I wanted it remote, even though I have PlayStation Plus and Game Pass. But mm-hmm. I was like, I want to, pl- I want to play it on the train and everything, and um, and like yeah, like it is very beautiful and everything. It's just for me, I'm not struggling with it, but I just I want a story 
story hook. I want something other than there's evil in the land and we should go find it and kill it. <laughs> my thing, we're getting really inside baseball. Mm. Here, but my problem with it is, um, so there are two sort of, uh, what do they call it? Do do allergies? Do to well, it's like two protagonists. Do sorologists? That's it. Something like, sure. That sounds like you study something. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's two sort of protagonists. One is my element is sun. One is my element is moon. And mm -hmm. they're just they've got a third friend who's just like I'm generic human guy. Yes. And I think everything's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and protect okay, them at all costs. That's, exactly. That's Ugh. fine. But he is like this main story point. Yeah. It continues yeah. to be about him. Right. To the point where I'm at, where I'm like, what about these cool people that have got <laughs> weapons and can wield? Magic and stuff. This guy's got a cooking pot lid. Yeah, and like, I'm <laughs> loving the cooking stuff. But I'm, yeah, that was my thing because I think he's called Gal, the, the third dude. Yeah. And like, yeah, he's very everything's great. Like, let's throw the peace symbols. Like, power of love. And I'm all about power of love. Like, genuinely, if we can, you know, bring things together more, I'm sure it'd be better. But in regards to that game, you have two characters that are have been through. It's like ten years of training yeah. or something. Like, they're and like they spend the whole time being like, man, I wish we were hanging out with Gal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, you can wield. Poochie, you can wield the sun. Like, how is that not cooler? And um, and then it's one of those things where, like, yeah, it, it takes ages for you to get new abilities. Like, I feel like I've had the same abilities for about yeah, eight, nine hours. Finally, I have new stuff now. But yeah, I think damn. it's one of those games where there isn't a lot of abilities or a lot of advancement. I think, like, in the grand scheme, I don't think that it's hugely long game. Right. So they haven't, they don't overwhelm you with loads and loads. It's mm. just like us, which I actually kind of appreciate. Like it feels mm. compact and nice that way, but I, I totally get you. Like I'm at the point where it's like, right, I've had four characters and Gal's been on the back. You row with the entire time. Don't yes. Use, don't use him. <laughs> uh, don't care if he's apparently the main character. Don't care. Cause he's kind uh, of like, he's at the minute he's out of my story. I'm like, good. I don't, I don't want to save him. Like just leave, let him yeah. leave him over there for a bit. And uh, let me prioritize the two main characters. But um, yeah, I think I, I like the idea that they sort of made this as like someone first JRPG like it, it, it very easily could life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at UH1.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
be. Like same way as like that, yes. you know, the Mario Luigi games or Mario RPG. I, it's like, I was going to yeah. argue for the challenge of it, not so much, but there is a bunch True. of like accessibility things that you can mm. buy from a store. It's like, I'll make this easier for mm -hmm. you. Like heal me at the end of every battle and stuff like that. So that's mm -hmm. cool. It is worth yeah. saying actually <clears throat> in regards to the turn-based stuff that like you will get hit. Like it's not all of you yeah. take a shot and all of the enemies take a shot. Everyone has timers. So it's like um, the enemies have, and it's nearly always just one or two turns. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, you're going to get hit next turn and you can only do one move and then that boss will do something. Sometimes you can knock them out with stuff and delay things. Um, for me, it's nowhere near as in depth as like Octopath Traveler or Final Fantasy X, like where I, sure. I'm really like remixing the timeline. Like that newest character I have has one move that can kick someone down the timeline, but mm -hmm. that's it. Um, but in a way, that's quite good at um, maintaining challenge because then you're always thinking about healing. You're always thinking about, yes. you know, and even when someone dies, they come back two turns later, um, which is quite handy. And so like they've got a nice little set of mechanics. It's just for me, it, it doesn't have the story pull. Um, and it's like, like you said, because they almost let you, uh, they reframe it so that the helper character is the main character and they talk the most and everything else. Mm -hmm. And they're insufferable. <laughs> it's just kind of like, oh God, I just want to play as the two, the actual warriors that I'm doing stuff with. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's it's cool to finally um, touch in on Sea of Stars because it's one of the highest rated games of the year. Like it's, yeah, it it's in the nineties and it's insane. Like I'm not feeling that yet, but I'm hoping that maybe it comes full mm -hmm. circle eventually or something. Um, let's talk about Resident Evil 4. You finished the Separate Ways DLC, I Ada Wong. Just about in time to get the train up here. It was like, whoosh. Yeah, like three days uh, for it or something. Yeah, I've, I've been very busy, unfortunately, so I didn't get as much time with it as I'd like. Mm -hmm. I have finished a, a run through of it and for, I don't know, eight pounds, $10, um, it took me about six hours game time, which I think is a Good. little bit longer than some people. Mm -hmm. um, and then you add some cutscenes onto that and a few deaths, so it's a little bit longer. So mm -hmm. price-wise, it's very, very reasonable. And as a redo of Resident Evil 4's original expanded material, mm -hmm. Separate Ways was what was packaged in with the PlayStation 2 port as a like, oh, buy it again. Mm -hmm. It's so much more than that. Was, that's my main asset flip that it was just like, yeah. it's just a bunch of extra missions going maybe backwards through mm. and you've got a new kick and a bow. <laughs> you know, so this has got a, a whole bunch more to it and it feels, it. I, I was really expecting that to just be like, here's a bunch of missions. Mm. You act, but this time you do interact with the merchant. So you get to do all the upgrading weapon stuff okay. that you're used to from the campaign. There's a lot of choice in that. Uh, treasure collecting from the main campaign is in it and stuff like that. So Do they do like a better job of... Because that, that's the thing. On that original one, I was quite let down by it. Like, I really Ada Wong and I wanted more from her as a character. So when we got the DLC, well, I guess it was the add-on thing back in the day, I didn't like that it was just like the same areas and it was they were trying to like, oh, she was here the whole time. Yeah. She was like watching from this point of view. And I was like, that's a cool idea. But then you're doing like in the PS2 one, you're doing the uh, village invasion twice which like I was like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense yeah. um, and it was like all these two characters were right next to each other but they didn't know about each other kind of thing um, but in this one it's more like it is more believable or whatever like they consider it more mm. like that seems it seems like they've done like a better job of yes uh, it's very it clear that this time they thought about it beforehand when they wrote the story mm. basically for the remake so right okay well, well let's write these both at the same time and make sure they overlap nicely mm -hmm. there isn't a lot of like hey I can see that character in the background but right. you certainly know where Leon is in sort of uh, conjunction with where you are and Ada's story like oh okay this is when Leon was fighting this dude or right whatever. cool um, so it, it connects together it answers a bunch of um, storyline threads a little bit and it actually kind of ignores some stuff from the original for whatever okay. reason as well like there's there's way there's almost no Krauser in it which was a big part of the original right okay ways. so that was an odd choice but fair enough uh -huh. um, but you get a lot more of the new Wesker who's fantastic right um, this is because we, we're not going to do spoilers but like as a wider conversation do you think they're building to re to doing RE5 
because I, I've seen the general sentiment of like they plant enough seeds in this that they could then pivot into RE5 because it's, it's very Wesker heavy. I can absolutely understand why people <laughs> are getting that impression. That's right. what I'll say. I wouldn't necessarily go that route right away. There's a lot of stuff that you should do from a broader storyline thing before mm. Resident Evil 5 that they need to potentially re-establish for a new audience you mm -hmm. can't really just well, maybe you can just come jump in but i personally would prefer if they went back a bit mm -hmm. but uh yes I, I would say that it seems it seems to imply that certainly interesting <laughs> them doing more wesker stuff is fun because obviously like he's only at the very end of the remake like yeah. who, um ada's been messaging uh, talking to or whatever um so i like the idea of them fleshing that stuff out where are you at in terms of them this remake's timeline do you want them to stop or do you want them to keep going I don't think that's what I want. They're going to do what they, they make money. Like they listen to this going. podcast, they know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're going to do it. They make money. I re you know, I think all the remakes have been really great yeah. games. I've got you know positives and negatives to say about how the storyline has been handled in certain aspects. There's a bit of a diehard lore nerd for mm -hmm. it all. Um, but there, I I, but when it comes to four, like it was one of those ones where it was like this seems unnecessary. When it came out, I was like, do you know, I I'm one of those people. I prefer it over the original. Right. Okay. So, yeah. I, I went back and forth on that a lot as I was playing through it because I was I love the whole like like plant your feet and defend this corner like kind of gameplay yeah. in the originals. I was like I like kiting the enemies into a certain yeah, spot yeah. and take them all out. Um, but the more time I spent with RE4, the remake, I was like, no, this is just liquid butter. This thing oh, moves yeah. and just it's works so, so nice well. To play. And it's like yeah, like it's so chunky, like it's so satisfying. Mm. Um, but it was one of those things where like that game came out and then I went to Japan, so I did like a bit of it and then tried to go back and I restarted and whatever. Um, no, I didn't restart. That was Josh's big thing. He was like, you need to restart. And I was like, no, I remember everything. It's Leon and the, the villagers. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those things where like now where, because of where they are and because they're handling everything so well and they've kind of got this whole reworked timeline, even something like you said with Ada Wong, like they know her going in so we can write a better story. Um, I'm curious if they then do RE5 and 6. To me, I like the challenge or the perceived challenge um, from the audience point of view of them tackling the, the more negatively received ones. I loved RE5 back in the day. Mm -hmm. 6 is the only one that I didn't finish. Um, but I like the idea of them going back to 6 and being like, like, okay, we're not chasing Gears of War anymore. Um, do we? Is there a way to save Six? Well, exactly. Like, uh, the Resident Evil 4 remake leans way more into horror than the original did. Mm. Like, certainly. Like, I still don't know. There are a few parts, certainly, but largely I wouldn't still call it a horror game, but it's got way more of a horror aesthetic mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. the original did. Um, and I'd like to see them carry that through into 5 if they were to remake it, absolutely. Like, right. To carry what they've got into uh, a remake. Mm -hmm. You can still... I think it still has to be co-op though. That was such a big part mm. of Resident Evil Five, and we and it's something that's been missing from the series for a long time because we haven't had it seven and eight, obviously completely solo games. Mm -hmm. None of the remakes have had any cooperative stuff, mm. so they will. I think they do need to do that, but tonally, yeah, they need to reimagine it a little bit. And there's a there's a lot they could do. I really think, as I say, like all well, the remakes have been really good. They'll probably smash it out of the park. So yeah. whether or not I'm like. Maybe I don't want it, but I'm sure I'll buy it and I'm sure it'll be great. That's I think it's like, it's interesting looking at um, Resident Evil overall, like, like you mentioned tonally, because it's like, is it Death Island is the new anim yes. animated movie? Yeah. And it's like, that is so over the top and so like <laughs> Avengers style. He has all, he has all the heroes coming together to fight like a giant tentacle thing. And that is more, or would be more at home with where the whole IP was around about six, RE5 and 6. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's interesting that like from <clears throat> sort of 7 onwards, but even then there's like bits of 7 and 8 that are more over the top. Oh yeah, the, absolutely. Especially 8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the big 
Mech fight or the Jack Baker fight in Seven or whatever. So I'm like, can you, as Capcom, can you still do the crazy stuff? Or yeah. are you trying to sort of make it more horror? Like you said with RE4 Remake, that's interesting when they when they get back around, cyclically, they get back around to where they went off the rails in the first place. Do they do it again? Or do mm-hmm. they try and stick to like, you know, horror aesthetics and atmospheres and everything? I don't see a 6 remake happening. Just, really? I think they just want to divorce themselves from the title <laughs> of Resident Evil 6 as much as possible. It's, I couldn't see that because you get dangerously close to a Resident Evil 7 remake at that point. Like, God, yeah. What are we doing at that point? <laughs> My problem more with the remake, the remakes, as good as they are, is like the development time could go into mm. new stories and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. we used to have so many Resident Evil spin-offs and you know the Revelations games and stuff before that in the 2000s where there was all kinds of weird and wacky That's true. outbreak and dead aim and the Umbrella Chronicles and all that stuff. <laughs> uh-huh. We don't get that anymore because they're doing remakes, and I would, which is a shame because all the Resident Evil characters are in their fifties, essentially for, late forties and getting into their fifties. God, yeah. You need to tell some more stories with these characters now before you have to get rid of them. Because that's yeah, that's the thing that they tried to do a little bit in the uh, Shadow of Rose DLC, where it's like we're potentially handing this down. I mean, obviously Ethan was a new character anyway, sure. and then it's like we're handing it over to her. And then I've not played the Shadow of Rose stuff, but like, what's weird about that is, and this isn't really a spoiler, is that it mm. ends with a title card that says, "And thus the Winter's family story is over." So you're like, "Oh, you've invented a new character. <laughs> you've given us superpowers. <laughs> you've jumped 18 years into the future of the canon." Yeah. And then you've gone right. Well, we're done. So I don't know. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. They could go back to her and be like, "Well, anyway, well, here's our new story." But yeah. It's like it's yeah. interesting in terms of like yeah, them trying to pass the torch because there's it happens so much in entertainment. Like yeah. the um, my go-to is always uh, Rocky handing things down to uh, Apollo Creed mm-hmm. um, or uh, the other Over Creed. The, I forget his first name, but that dude. The hilarious thing is with Resident Evil Six, if it was a success, we would have had this long ago because that right. game was absolutely doing it. it introduced so many new characters mm-hmm. who Capcom are almost afraid of talking about again because of the association with Resident Evil Six. Yeah, like Jake uh, West. Jake, yeah, and Sherry Birkin came back and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and it's. And they did have one character they killed off, which they shouldn't in that game. But regardless, like, it Mm -hmm. felt like they were setting up for a new generation. And then they abandoned it because it was such a success, uh, you know, unsuccessful game. And they were like, okay, we're just going to do a soft reboot. Which is, that's, it's so fascinating. Because I'm just, in my head, I'm like, if Metallica can make St. Anger work, and I always love St. Anger, but like, great record. Yeah, it is. Great record. uh, They're touring that now. And they, uh, (laughs) not just by itself, but it's part of their sense now. Uh, the Saint Anger to the whole album. <laughs> I would go see that. Give me dirty window all day long. But um, yeah, they've like put that as part of their sets now because enough fans know like like that album, yeah. and it's okay to admit you like Saint Anger. Um, so I'm just like, if that can be done, then maybe anything's possible. Saint Anger and Resident Evil Six got a lot in common. They both, <laughs> everything goes on way too long. Yeah, just they sort of like represent the uh, the pivot, the downfall for a while, and um, but they came back around. And um, we're going to talk about um, Yakuza slash Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth to close things off because me and you are massive Yakuza slash Like a Dragon fans and the Infinite Wealth uh, gameplay demo came out over the, the weekend. It was at the uh, Ryo Gagatoku stream, um, which was just them showing off how the new game's going to be. But I think it's worth touching on like how much they are doubling down on the insanity of Yakuza 7, <laughs> where it's like that game introduced turn-based combat, um, which we could talk about that, but like my general thoughts on that were that you've taken the brawling uh, the animations and the general sort of feel of it and then added turn-based combat to it. And I love turn-based mm-hmm. combat. It's my favorite uh, genre. It's yeah. my favorite sort of game mechanic. But for me in, in Yakuza 7, I was always like dialing in a move and then my dude would like run in to do it and an NPC would just walk in the way. And it was just like, I was never like, <laughs> it was because you're fighting in a city, but it's like, you've not like refined this enough. So I know in the new one, they've uh, apparently they've prioritized that. So you, your moves all- I never had that problem. God, I had it all the time. <laughs> and I was like, just always trying to move people in the right way. And I was like, this just feels like a fan mod for the yeah. original Yakuza. Okay. So, like, <clears throat> I couldn't get on board with Yakuza 7, which was called Yakuza 7, Like a Dragon in the West, um, because of that. And so, like, but where are you at on the turn-based stuff? And I guess how Infinite Wealth looks. So, uh, that's where I came in. 
Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that is the only one that I've played. I've, no way. I played a little bit of Zero. I played uh-huh. like the prologue, and I probably should get back to it and give it a second chance. Right. But I definitely gel well more with turn-based combat mm-hmm, in general. Mm-hmm. Like you, like that's something that always uh, attracts me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that game really won me over and has a bit of a soft reboot in itself with like a yeah, new protagonist yeah. and stuff. It's a great place to jump in. Mm-hmm. Plus the stylistic change that you just talked about. And there's kart racing. And there's kart racing. Yeah. And some of the wackiest, weirdest, most wonderful kart <laughs> characters ever. Um, so when they were, they did 10 minutes of like, like a Dragon 8, cutscenes yes. as a trailer which was absolutely <laughs> mad i don't know how much of the story they've given away or not there's some mad there was a big bombshell in the middle that i was like what you're telling me that in the trailer right okay. huge huge sort of like maybe i've not seen that game. i've only seen the the or gameplay demo i've not seen the cutscene stuff interesting well, yeah. i'm not gonna say what it is obviously but like uh and then they yeah they did the gameplay and i'm like yeah this looks like more of what i loved about it showing off some of the I, so for those that haven't played it mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a little bit of a pastiche of RPGs in the way that like they make fun of a bunch of tropes and do it in their mm. own way because it's a modern setting game. So like in Final Fantasy, you would summon like a giant demon to do your bidding. In Yakuza, you pull out your mobile phone and call yeah. your mate who wears <laughs> you know a sumo. He's got lobsters for hands or whatever it is. Right, yeah. you know that's exactly the I was going to talk about. <laughs> there's a there's one there's a side quest in Yakuza Seven where you save a crawfish from being eaten and then it becomes a summonable character, <laughs> and it appeared in the trailer for like a Dragon Eight and me and my housemate both. Cheered. Good. <laughs> we were like, "Yes, the boy's back." It's so, it's so because I've I've been with Yakuza since the very, very beginning, and like I was always writing articles wanting them to come to the West more because mm. the the Western releases were always about a year or two behind the yeah. Eastern ones, and we would always end up getting whatever numbered Yakuza game as the next one was releasing mm-hmm. in Japan or in the East, and so like it was one of those things where like I think Yakuza Zero was the one where they finally unified them, and we all got yes. Yakuza Zero at the same time. And then, uh, and I was like, thank the maker or whatever. We're finally keeping up with these releases. Um, but it's interesting, having been with it since the beginning, how just over the top it's got. And like, I'm, I'm there for the vast, vast majority of it. But one of the criticisms of like um, Yakuza 6 was that it was meant to be the end of Kiryu's story. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, and he also had him dodging missiles and taking on like entire cities of people and stuff. It was really fun. But it almost made the game into like a um, like a Musuo game, like a Dynasty Warriors. Right. Um, and then that's what the new one is, the, the spin-off one where it's... It's the man oh, who sold didn't. his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah like um, like a Dragon Guy Den or whatever. Um, and it's almost them giving in to how over the top and ridiculous it is. And now that you have the next numbered one, uh, Infinite Wealth, I guess it's technically numbered, but it is like the eighth main installment. And then Kiryu's back, even it, though he's... The, the weird scenario you know, is the fact that we just talked about Resident Evil and they've done the same mm. thing, where it's like, it's the eighth game, but we're not going to put it in the title. But we are yeah. going to put it in the logo because it's the infinite symbol. Is the eight on yeah. The side. Like, just come on, guys. And so. it's like, it, it is a continuation and we are yes. sort of like, it, it's, it's Ishiban Kazuga and Kazuma Kiryu. And it's like, uh, that's really cool. But Kiryu's got this weird different hairstyle. He's like a different dude. And it's like post after he's um, eliminated his identity in the other game, the guy didn't thing. Um, but my overall point is that the amount of stuff that is now coming to the West is awesome for Like a Dragon slash Yakuza fans. However, the amount of stuff that's available, I've just, I haven't finished Like a Dragon Ishian from earlier this year. Yeah. Um, just because it's in amongst so much other stuff. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm like aware that um, we're getting the spinoff one and the next main one. Exactly. And I'm like, yeah. I can't even keep up anymore. Garden comes out in November. Yeah. And, and then Infinite Wealth comes out in January. It's crazy. <sighs> and then um, massive games as well. Yeah. I, obviously, I'm probably going to skip Gaiden because I don't have investment in that. I think I would need more investment in that character. Mm. I can't just jump in in his story there. It mm-hmm. just seems probably not the right way to do it. So mm. I don't have that problem, but I feel the pain of Yakuza fans. It's like, <laughs> we've gone from having nothing to too much yeah. almost. And it's like Yakuza the 7. Games, like, no, they're there's, huge. There's so much like side content to potentially do. Mm-hmm. 
But it's like in um, Yakuza Seven, like um, with Kazuga, because he's sort of like you know, he's a he's a huge Dragon Quest fan in the in the world in <laughs> yes. lore in context. He sees battles as Dragon Quest fights, which is why it's Timmy. So I was I like, that's great, it. and that's really really cool. Um, but at the same time, like you have those over the top summons, and in the new one, they have like a um, it's like you're on like a bike and you're delivering parcels, but you're jumping around <laughs> rooftops and yes. stuff. And I was like, yeah. oh, so we're just full, it's not just, even yeah. acknowledging what humans can do anymore, which is fine. Like I said, we've kind of had that from like Yakuza Six with Kiryu, it, but it took ages to get there. I think it really works with Ichiban as a character because mm. it's like just this complete nutter, like <laughs> super positive. He's one of the most likable video game characters I think I've ever encountered. He's what Gaul should be. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, you, I, I find a lot of protagonists, especially like the super posy anime type, mm. get incredibly dull. But yeah, I same. He, yeah. I think he's great and mm-hmm. uh, uh, they've really pulled it off, which is incredible. If, and you talked about Kiryu's story and him, you know, bowing out. And they've tried, they've, they've passed the torch over in seven and they seem to be doing it again in mm-hmm. this game. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe for real this time. It's just the, uh, they've killed Kiryu twice yeah. over. And it's going to be a third time, I guess, by the yeah, time. It feels like, it. like they've done the whole, it's his last game, guys. We're definitely done. And then it, that was in Yakuza 5. And then like he sort of, there was like a little sliver of hope in 5 that he could still be alive. And then 6 was definitely his last game, um, which they only did because they had a new engine for it. And it was like, well, we might as well do another Yakuza game in this right, new Dragon right. engine. Um, and then it was like we're passing it over to Ichiban. It's but definitely done. Using this game, but then he's back again up, yeah. because the post credits in six revealed that he was still alive. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, <laughs> like I love the character, so fine. But like at some point, you need to kind of pivot. And then um, I forget the names of the dudes who um, I think have left or are leaving um, Ryo Gagatoku Studios because they've right. been with this, the franchise for so long. Right. Um, and it's like it, it's in an interesting place right now because you're, you're, you've got infinite wealth and it is so over the top and ridiculous. And there is this really good positive reception to the turn-based stuff. So I'm like, maybe this just is the pivot. And then it's like the, the brawler games are kind of done because even um, the Like a Dragon Guy Den is more like a Musou game. From what they've shown, it's more right. like a Dynasty I Warriors. suppose if they're going to carry it on, I don't know too much about the series, but there's also the Judgment games. Is that right? Like yeah. The, they, those, those could potentially carry on the beat-em-up stuff. Well, they've, the been, um, they've been hampered because there's two ju- there's Judgment and Lost Judgment. They're both phenomenal. The is something... Controversy, right? Is that what it's it was? not the actor? It's the it's the the person who the company that uh, licenses that actor are very scared of um, <laughs> digital online services, oh, okay. and they think <laughs> that if the uh, the game is made available on more platforms, um, you know, if it was a PC release or whatever, that someone would get access to that actor's likeness and then would use right. them in projects, and they don't like that. So they um, they got in the mm-hmm. way. I think they got in the way of Lost Judgment being on PC. They got in the way of something, that and they also right, put yeah. a stop to in for now more Judgment games. Do you know we laugh, which but is I ridiculous. Feel, I and actually sort of see where they're coming I know. from in the world of mods and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, I, I can sort of see it. But, it's, but it's you wor- need to be aware of this when you sign these contracts. I yeah. Like, it's, it's a silly thing to do in retrospect. It's worth um, just shouting out that Judgment, especially Lost Judgment, because there's a way better combat system. Lost Judgment is one of the best Yakuza games, but it doesn't have that name. Wanna, but it's the same engine, same city. Yeah, the game is great. It a go. it's got, uh, one of them has got my boy Zhao in it from Seven. I, I think he shows up as a camera. Oh, ah, okay. So, so that immediately, I'm like, okay. I'll right. Because <laughs> it's like, um, like yeah, the, all the, the ways that they've sort of handled the IP over the years like Kenny Omega and a bunch of the uh, New yeah. Japan dudes are in Yakuza 6 yeah. and then they did the spin-off thing with Judgment which like you said might have initially been the idea of the future of the brawler stuff mm-hmm. but then all the things happened with the actors company everything but like I said overall fascinating um, place to be in and because I've been with it for me I've been with it since 2004 since it first came over and it was marketed as the next GTA which it never was <laughs> and then those original games just bombed uh, commercially because they just weren't at all what it was advertised as um, but yeah overall this has been the Wind-Up Podcast I've been your host Scott Tilford that's been Sly White. Bye. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Even 
when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey, I'm Guy Raz, and on my show, Wisdom from the Top, I talk with CEOs and business leaders about the toughest challenges of their careers. There's lots of ways to measure success. Sometimes a company has to bet against itself. We wanted to set ourselves apart by having a point of view. Businesses really impact people's lives in pretty fundamental ways. On Wisdom from the Top, some of the greatest business leaders of our time share their intimate stories of leadership, innovation, and transformation. Stories you won't hear anywhere else. Check out Wisdom from the Top only on Luminary. Now, back to your show. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 